0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Views from the Kicks. My name is Sandy Burks, and in just a second, I will be joined by my co host, Hendricks head football coach Buck Buchanan. And today, we have a very special episode for y'all as we are joined by Hendricks football and soccer alum, Steve Crenshaw, who most recently served as an assistant with the men's soccer program. We had a blast recording this episode, and we hope that y'all will enjoy listening to it. So, without further ado, Steve Crenshaw. All right, Coach, we're back, and we have a special guest on. I believe, Coach, he's actually the first guest that we had on the old radio show, so we're going back in time. Yep, that's, that's it is. It's a throwback day. It is a throwback day, and also because he's one of the inaugural uh, class members of Hendricks football. He is, and uh, he
1: could possibly be the first legacy in Hendricks football as well. So who are we talking about? Uh, the man, the myth, the legend,
0: Steve Crenshaw. Yep. And they let me, are. let me make this clear, Steve, by the way, cause you, you, you got mad at me when I said this, we had two Steves in the inaugural class. And one time I was differentiating between you two and I referred because he was called big Steve, Steve Stearman. Right. And I called him big Steve. You were always called kicker Steve. And I made the mistake of referring to you as a little Steve one time.
2: Yeah, so whenever, uh, me and Big Steve actually both went on our visit together and stayed with Hunter Lawler, who you know pretty much is the reason why almost all of us are came to Hendrix because of the overnight stays, and whenever we showed up, um, Hunter called us Big Steve and Little Steve, and then here pretty quickly after uh, arriving at campus, I managed to get out of the uh, Little Steve nickname and into... Uh, called kicker steve
1: well technically we needed one more steve that was smaller than little steve and then it would have been big steve steve then little steve so what <laughs> good thing we didn't have a medium steve to replace you know kicker steve or else he would have been little steve <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
0: true. <laughs> well i think he uh i think he broke out of the little steve shell because he has what arguably might be the most important play in modern hendrix football history
1: uh, there, it, it. There's no doubt. It's probably yeah. the most important play in modern Hendricks history. I did tell him he was going to win the first game. I didn't tell. I didn't necessarily mean he was going to win our first game. I just meant he was. He would be pivotal in winning the first game, and, <laughs> and then we would win. And then after the game, he's like, Coach, how'd you know I was gonna? How'd you know I was gonna win that game for us? So I was like,
0: just had a feeling.
1: <laughs>
2: Sometimes you just know.
0: <laughs> so. I guess time to, to give an introduction, because things have changed since we last had you on, Steve. You had gone from playing Hendricks football to playing Hendricks soccer, mm-hmm. and then you took on a coaching role with Hendricks soccer, and not only that, you actually became the strength and conditioning coach, as well as the uh, video analyst, I guess we could say that yeah, too.
2: Video analyst, strength and conditioning coach, um, I guess probably the most fitting uh, role maybe just director of... All things soccer operational, <laughs> <laughs> director of football operations. Yep, yeah. football operations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, you know, been really grateful for my time and to be able to have that opportunity. Um, I've learned a lot. I was talking about it today, actually. That over this past uh, twenty months or so, the most, the biggest thing I can take away from it is just the ability to work with a bunch of different personalities, um, whether or not being the coaching staff or just dealing with thirty-five college kids. Um, You know, you really learn a lot from talking with those kids and kind of learning how to um, interact with people and things like that.
1: Very, very, very important tools for accounting, for (laughs) for accountants. Uh, One thing that you didn't mention in there, while doing all of that, also uh, has an undergraduate degree from Hendrix, a master's degree from Hendrix, and just passed the CPA. (laughs) So.
0: One two three team. Yeah. yeah, one two three team. So I guess what I'm sitting here wondering is, what are you compensating for? You've pretty much done everything.
2: Uh, that's a great question.
0: <laughs> PhD. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> that's, that's that's next on the list. Um, it's all friendly right now, but it wasn't as friendly when we uh, before we started recording because um, I think Steve kind of ruffled your feathers, coach, about kolaches. Yeah, I,
1: well, well, Steve, for, for those out there listening, you know, he's he's leaving us this, this week. I mean, this is his last week uh, at Hendricks. Uh, well, hopefully not forever, but for now. Uh, moving to Austin, Texas. And then uh, Coach Edelman was in here, just dropped some boudin off, and we were talking about uh, just kind of got brought up the kolachi thing. And, and, you know, one thing that's a pet peeve of mine is, you know, the what people perceive as kolachis are not necessary kolachis. That's, 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 it's, it's a, it's a beating. Because if you go to the donut store down here, they're going to say we have kolaches. It's a pig in a blanket for the love of God. It's a pig in a blanket. It's not a kolachi. Kolaches are different. So I'm just saying, I mean, it's so, uh, and and then Steve said that uh, supposedly the shipwaves in Montmel has kolaches. And I said, well, is it, is it really a kolachi or is it a, pig in a blanket that they describe as a kolache. Now, truth be told, they're good, but not adequately described. So, the pig in a blanket is the meat inside of a roll that is all wrapped up and baked together.
2: Okay. And a kolache is?
1: A kolache has... It, it is, it is, it, it usually is a fruit or whatever, cream cheese fruit or whatever, baked kind of inside on top. It's, 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 it's coming out of the top of the, of the.
2: Okay. So it's coming out of the top and not out of the ends. Correct. And it's a pig in the blanket. Exactly.
1: It's what I figured because I just, you know, now you're going to Austin and, you know, there's a huge Czech and German culture in. Austin and Central Texas. So, on your way, you need to stop at West, West Texas, not not out west. Cause <laughs> the, you, you you could drive forever out there and and sh- still see you know the edge of the earth. But uh, West Texas, and stop at either Slovaceks or the Check Stop.
2: That's where uh, Mark Icky stops at all the time, right?
1: I'm sure he does, because if you don't stop, you're probably not Texan. But anyway, um, you got to go get you a kalachi, a real kalachi, or a real pig in a blanket, or get one of those, both. But my favorite, cream cheese. Now, also, you could nowadays, they serve them at Bucky's. So you could stop at Bucky's and get you a kalachi at Bucky's. But the original check stop is in West Texas, and, uh, and, and it is – they're known for kolaches, So that's what that's what you should do. I've had kolaches in Czech Republic, which the people in Czech who who would, would tell you that the kolaches that they serve at in Central Texas
0: are not real kolaches. <laughs> do they call it in Czech? Yeah, but I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly. Gotcha. Well Coach Edelman was in here. Just before we started recording him, he had a different pronunciation for it as well. Yeah, that's what happens
1: when you combine French with everything else.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, was, I was wondering about
0: that. Yeah, he was like galoshes or something. He well, was, yeah. I, well I, I mean, that's
1: what you wear on your feet when it when it rains outside, mm-hmm. galoshes. But
0: anyway. So, okay, Steve, you're from Texarkana. Um, how do you identify? Like, is Arkansan <laughs> or Texan, or just Texarkanan?
2: Um, he. I always preface it, so, yeah, he. But I'll always preface it saying that I uh, lived in Arkansas but went to school in Texas. So that's usually where I ended there.
1: Okay. You lived in Arkansas but went to Texas?
2: Yes, sir. Um, The school system's a little bit better on the Texas side. Did Um, you have to
1: sneak over every day? Yeah,
2: yeah. I had to to, uh, go under the bridge at the state line and try to get over there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So tell, tell us this from like a perspective, because I've never played in it. I've heard about the game for years, but the game between Arkansas High and Texas High.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, back in the early, I guess probably late 2000s, um, CBS Sports did a a, um, a show on it where they were talking about because they had big names, Ryan, Ryan Mallett, Kobe Hamilton, Dennis Johnson, um, pretty big names for Arkansas back in the uh, 2010s era. Um all three of them were playing in that game, and it's—I mean—it's a full week. You, everyone comes out. They usually paint, you know, the, their state flag on the back of the back of their truck or their car, which I did not do for obvious reasons. Um, and then uh, the whole town comes out. Probably they—they hit capacity every year. Tickets sell out. And it's a—it's a really cool environment. Texas High has won almost. Texas High won every year that I was there. I'm pretty sure.
1: How are you? Pretty sure <laughs> you were there.
0: <laughs>
2: Memory is not great, coach. <laughs> okay, all right. How many? How
0: many did you win when you were there?
2: I played in two of them and won both of them. So my junior and senior year. Uh, my senior year, we won by six points.
1: John I- Vion, if you're out there listening, don't hold that against Steve. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I heard, Steve, as an Arkansan, man, we're just trying to get anything we can over Texas. And you're over here living in Arkansas, but going over to Texas and helping them beat us. I mean, that's not even my high school, but we, some of the Arkansans take it personally. Yeah. Oh, well. But I, you, the reason why I asked that, Coach, is because uh, you mentioned you know, part about being a Texan. Um, Texans, obviously, you know, and we talk about barbecue a lot on this show. But, uh, Steve, I think we need to come out and address some uh, rumors about a former roommate of yours.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think it was two episodes ago. Uh, Sandy brought up that um, there is some football, a former player who didn't want barbecue anymore, and uh, y'all uh, said that it was uh, Sam Strubing, my old roommate, um, who recently just got married. Uh, that was actually me who was telling Sandy that um, after our freshman year of eating barbecue, I believe mm-hmm. at every away trip, um, whenever I got home and on the holidays with my family, I told. I told the dad, I was like, dad, I, we can't have barbecue. He's like, I know you enjoy it, but I was like, I don't want barbecue for at least another year. And so <laughs> I've uh, got a little burned out on barbecue. But
1: Well, all I can say is, sorry about your luck. And I apologize to Sam. But Sam did bring it to the leadership council and say he didn't want barbecue. So I'm just saying. I, like, so the, uh, the, that's why I got directed towards Sam. But apologies to Sam. It's all on Steve now.
0: <laughs> he's seen the light because he did ask me last night if we could go to Hog Pen today. I said absolutely. So, well, let's get that done as soon as we get
1: this. <laughs> yeah. Up. Well,
0: okay. So you're going down to Austin, Coach? That's where Franklin Barbecue. is. Franklin is, is it, there. So.
1: Well, it's, I don't. I don't. I think I don't know if it's in Austin, but it is okay. there around there. He's writing so you, it down. You got Franklin Barbecue. You definitely got to go, but you got to get there early because you got to stand in line. It, when he means
0: early, he's not talking about five o'clock. He's talk, from what I've heard, it's two to three o'clock. Gotcha,
1: yeah. I dude. mean, I heard it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's a line. Uh, there's also a lot of other good places. I mean, there's I mean, you you should be able to find good barbecue. Uh, and, and there's different styles, so you know, figuring out what you like and what you want. The other thing you're going to have a lot of is quality Tex-Mex. Boom. And senior tequilas is not in Austin. Thank God. I know. I'm here yet. That's, you know, that's one thing we definitely, uh, again, can hold over shampoo. But anyway. <laughs>
2: also, yeah. I don't know how many uh, kolaches I'll be eating, but I'll definitely be eating a bunch of uh, breakfast uh, breakfast tacos and stuff like that down in Austin.
1: Oh, I wish we had breakfast tacos here in Conway. Uh, but, oh, bringing it back to kolaches, the other thing I was going to say, the Bucky's does serve a uh, a pecan pie kolache that is freaking awesome. I have to get it every time we stop at Bucky's.
0: One thing, Coach, you say on recruiting visits is, or not recruiting visits, but you tell players is, you know, someday you're gonna play your four years or five or six, and you come back. <laughs> we graduate on time, people, but some you never know with injuries. But um, anyway. When they graduate, they're gonna to want to come back and see who's wearing their jersey, this and that, or at least who's playing in their position. And I think when Jack said what he said about senior tequila, Steve is is looking back as an alumni, thinking, "Man, I, I messed up with these guys somewhere <laughs> along the way. <laughs> this is really bad. <laughs> I, I at least could have shown them Don Pepe's more often." Or
1: yeah, I know for real, trickle down. Yep, <laughs> yeah, Don Pepe's
2: Acapulco. Yep, that was always a good one. Mm-hmm. Cheap
0: but good. Yeah, yeah, I think. In terms of personalities, we we've been kind of different, at least from the kickers' perspective. How different we've been, but I there's think, definitely yeah.
1: uh, a, a wide variety of of personality types mm-hmm. for for kickers for K Squad. So uh, definitely, definitely different.
0: <laughs> the the
1: hair length went progressively down.
0: Like it was exponential decay
1: yeah well Steve, I don't think he cut his hair all the way through uh through his first four years of college
2: once summer after my sophomore years whenever I started growing it out and then I donated it to um panteen my after my senior year so yeah it was a it was a long
1: process so it the The better hair, ga- the better and longer hair, gave him better academics too. So it, it was good. <laughs> yeah. That's true.
0: Long hair became the fashion of uh, of Hendricks football for a little bit. I know there were probably like five or six guys when I came in that mm-hmm. that had long hair. Is there anyone you would see superiority to? Is there anyone who you thought just wore it better? There was one in particular.
2: Phillips had the best hair I've ever seen. I, I I was asking him questions about what he like, what he does. I changed. I changed shampoos a couple times. I started taking the, the multivitamins and stuff like that, and it really made a difference. So definitely uh, Doug Phillips. You
1: got to have that sheen. <laughs> you got to have that sheen. It's the same as horses. <laughs> that's, why the, that's why it was the mane and tail. I know, I, knew I sold a lot of mane and tail at Buck's Farm <laughs> Supply in uh, Denison, Texas, to people that didn't own horses. <laughs> it's truth. Yep. I never used it. Obviously, I don't have flowing locks.
2: <laughs> I will say, I do think, uh, Coach Buck, whenever you added the, uh, the song Get a Haircut and Get a Real mm-hmm. Job to the playlist, I did feel a little personally uh, victimized there.
1: Uh, Well, it might have had some reference to you and Doug and Dayton, because <laughs> eventually, guess what you're going to have to do?
2: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very true.
1: Get a haircut and get a real job. Well, seeing that, uh, you know, again, you're shipping off next, next week to Austin and, uh, again, getting a real job out in the real world. Well, conversely, you know, uh, Sandman here has uh, signed on for another year with us, so he's putting off the real world for another
0: year at least. <laughs> there's, there's nothing more. I just love doing football, man. I think that's one thing I did want to talk about today is when I think about it, in so many ways when I first came in and I got to meet Steve, and and he'll know what I'm talking about when I say this cuz we we actually trained for a half marathon together and and so we spent like literally every day together for at least 3 to 4 hours and and he'll agree with me I think when I say this when I first came in I think there were so many differences between us at least were like on superficially between us but the older I got and the better I got to know Steve I think we actually share a lot more in common than we have differences but when I first came in I thought man we could not be more different people but it, it, and it's interesting, but I think about – and I don't know how you feel, Coach, because you've seen every player come through this program, but if you were thinking of, of two guys that played for this program that could that would ultimately go on and become coaches, like obviously Steve did soccer, but for those two, I would have thought the two of us would be like not in that realm. Like that would <laughs> actually go on to coach.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you think about it, you know, you, and you don't – normally see a lot of, I mean, like when you look at it, you don't see a lot of kickers going into coaching. Um, I don't know whether it's, it's or in football, well, American football coaching. I mean, I don't know whether it's, you know, a lot of kickers have that soccer background and they want to go back into soccer or whatever uh, if they're going to coach. Uh, however, uh, maybe it's just, a, 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 I, I say that, but like everywhere I've been, like our kicker in college like uh well, Paul Weaver he was he he, he coached uh our uh, I mean Coach Bonadonna played for us at Louisiana College. I mean, he was a coach. Now he's out of it now, making more money. But, but point being is, we 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 have I I have been around a lot of kickers that ended up coaching. So I don't know. Maybe I have done poorly in getting them prepared for a real job in real world. But uh, but but hopefully they're having a fulfilled life as, as,
0: as kickers and, and coaches. <laughs> I would say maybe one thing that accounts for where Steve and I are today is we're both legacies. You mentioned Steve being one of the first yep. legacies, but I, I was as well. And so we, we grew up with Hendricks and have that relationship. So it, it means a little bit more to us to, and I'll let you go on about this, Steve, but just real quickly for me, I mean, I just couldn't envision anything more important to me than being able to wear this Hendrix football, or at least just anything, literally anything Hendrix on my chest every day. That just means the world to me. So even if I, if I was doing it for free, it just means the world to me to do that because I'm giving back to a place that got me to where I am today, but also just means so much to my family and it means a lot to me. So I, I don't know if you feel the same way, Steve. But
2: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's what I talk about all the time. Is that you know over these last 20 months, I've I would I wouldn't trade trade it for anything. Just be able to get like you said, get back to this place that gave gave so much to me. Because I mean, quite frankly, whenever I showed up here freshman year, I was not ready for college academically speaking. And I had a bunch of people tell me that and say, maybe it's best that you're not, you know, you go home and you go somewhere else. But I had a couple of professors who believed in me and I had a bunch of coaches who believed in me too. And I was able to be successful here and to just give back in that way to, that Hendricks allowed me to be uh, who I am today. And has really shaped me into the man I am today. And I, I mean, I'd give anything for this school, honestly, as well as hopefully someday a, uh, some kicking nets behind the uprights. No, don't worry. We'll be working on
0: that too. Thankfully we have a future orthopedic surgeon in the mix and, uh, he should have quite a bit to give back. In fact, we, uh, you just made an order coach and the brand that makes the kicking net is very similar to shampoo so much so that I actually <laughs> thought it was shampoo. Steve's looking at it right now. Can you see what I was saying? I don't want to do I don't want to give away any advertising or anything, but it's like, it looks so close to shampoo that. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
1: with, um, I think that's that's special too, just because um, you know it's it, it was it's it's been neat to have you guys as alums and 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 legacies and uh, guys that were the you know the kicker for the first you know development of the program, and I have to go back to Steve here. Like he might set the he might hold the record for biggest uh, academic turnaround. Uh, so um, and and, and graduate with a three point So I mean. It, it, if we would have taken bets, uh, the short sellers would have lost. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just foreshadowing.
0: <laughs> Steve said he uh, we, that he would do anything for this program. I think he gave everything he had over the last two weeks, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: little kid's soccer camp. That, 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 that'll wear the horns off a brass billy goat. <laughs>
0: By by Monday of this week, we had the junior campers this week, so it's fifth grade and ninth grade. Of course, uh, Steve and I were paired with the fifth and sixth graders. Um, do you remember what, what Janie told you about that age group?
2: Yeah, she said that that was the worst age group. She just flat out said, "God, yeah, those are the worst
1: what age what, what age again was it? Fifth and
2: sixth So That's yeah. uh, 11, 10 and 11-year-olds. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, Michelle loved teaching that age, so she loved teaching middle school. So... I call punt team on that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that, that's that's a, that's a tough. So uh, if I if I recall, I saw uh, you guys out there. Y'all, it looked like you guys were uh, playing against each
0: other. Yeah, I told him about it yesterday. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> our uh, our little tactical match class we put on. So who won? This one, this one's kind of not fair, and I don't, I don't mean fa- not fair to me and not fair to him, but there's, there's a key difference that illustrated our two games against each other.
2: Yeah, so um, I let Coach Sandy put organize the two eight v eight teams, and I just picked a random color, and I get my guys over to my side, and I look over at Coach Sandy's team, and Coach Sandy's team is stacked, absolutely stacked. They, they won seven zero in the first ten minutes of the game.
1: Well, I mean, hey, if you're, if you're going to be in charge, you might as well, <laughs> I might as well pick yeah. the team. <laughs> hey, He's
0: right. My my team was better, but the re- Steve had some serious talent on his team, too. What Here's how I divided the teams. You had a bunch of kids who played with each other going to these camps, and there were two particular clubs that these kids represented where I was like, okay, it's probably going to be best if I take each club and divide it that way, so I'll take the kids that play with each other on one team and the other ones on the other team. Um so that's how I did it. So it wasn't like it was randomized. It wasn't like I was selective, where it was not selective as well as Steve picking a random color, which, sorry about his luck, he picked the one that I obviously wanted the green team because they, they had one player in particular that plays my position and I know how to coach that position. And I was like, yes. Uh, so we won 7 0. And then Steve made a substitution and it killed me.
2: Yeah, then so uh, we made it. We evened up the teams, uh, traded, uh, I think, two players each. So
0: it was all so relegation
1: to some degree. <laughs> yeah, 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 relegation by promotion. I won, I got relegated. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, pretty much. And I actually ended up taking the player that Sandy is talking about over to my team. And then we played for like 20 minutes, and it was 0 0, and it was time to go. So I was like, next goal wins. And my team ended up scoring and winning given whenever I said next goal That's a real
1: Coach Buck thing to do right there. (laughs) Next (laughs) score
2: wins. (laughs) And then also, I might have said next goal wins at a pretty opportune time for uh, my team as well.
1: As the ball is going into the net, next goal wins. All right, one, two, three, team, run off the field.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes as a coach you get to make the rules and (laughs) stuff.
1: Hey, sometimes you got to sway the odds in your favor. That's what I've heard. Exactly.
0: But it, it was a, it was a lot of fun. I actually of the two camps, I actually really enjoyed. We worked with the uh, what would you call them preschoolers, I guess. Before the five that. and
2: six year olds, yeah. Yeah,
0: and and that was a lot of fun. And the different the differences between it was hard to remember what we were like as being that young in in my line of studying. Or like I had nothing to do with those kids after I was older. Like there was nothing I didn't do camps or anything like that. So it was hard for me to adjust back to what a fifth, sixth grader is like, but also what a five and six year old is like, and. But I was relatively surprised and very enthused by the degree of uh, how rece- how receptive they were to ideas and uh, working with them. I actually really enjoyed working with the the younger ones. But and this will get because we're going to take a new. Uh, a new route on this podcast soon coach. Cause I was talking with you the other day and I mentioned it to Steve and he, he seemed pretty enthused by the idea of we're going to get into more uh, leadership stuff on this podcast and actually get kind of serious. Not that barbecue isn't serious, but uh, we're going to do some things. But uh, it was really cool to be on the sideline with Steve and, and, and giving these kids some ideas that we have and, and watching those ideas come to life. And, and even though they were only fifth and sixth graders, you actually got to see some of that manifest and to see your ideas manifest and them to carry out what, you wanted, which for me was to beat Steve, was was an awesome. <laughs> <face>. <laughs> no, okay. But then then he got the better of me, and, and but it was really it's um it's that's one of the fulfilling parts of coaching is is to see players be what they become, and and also a little selfishly to see them do what you want them to do and it work out.
1: Yep, and and you know though the, at that young age and even you know on into middle school, I mean you're you're very everybody is very impressionable, and they and. They're developing skills right there that, that, that if you teach them something right there and they hang on to one thing from the, from the camp, they will hang on to that for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. and they will be better because of that. And they will continue to get better at that, you know? So, you know, I think it's a calling to, to teach different ages or whatever, but, you know, I, I look back on some of the coaching that I've received early in life and even from peewee football on up is like, you know, got really good instruction. I was blessed to have really good uh, coaches all the way through and then, and then teaching technique and teaching how to do things. So I was way ahead of the curve by the time I was a varsity player and then a college player because I had better technique. And when you're, when you're smaller than everybody else, that's very important. Um, But the other thing that, I mean, you, you probably figured this out too, is like the, some kids attention to detail or some kids attention to instruction are way different than others. You know um, you know, people that are like really tuned in and then people that are chasing butterflies. And at that age, you know, you're starting to develop that somewhere along the line of I'm focusing on the task at hand and how long can I sustain focus? And so you know that goes back into you know psychological development and all that stuff. But you know whether or not you you need to take some time off and have a brain break and then go back and then and then how long you do things at certain times. And you know even that 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 kind of relates back to our our level now too, because you know to expect people to sit in a meeting for an hour and a half, two hours, and and let you go over something is not really applicable to what we're do- because uh, let's put it in this perspective. Let's just say you're a kid, you know, we're, let's just middle school. You, you probably wake up. The first thing you do is check your phone. You're gonna check your email. You're gonna check. I mean, uh, you're gonna probably have. I don't know. That might be too young to be on some social media, but you'd be surprised how many people are on social media. You want to see what everybody's saying about you. Then you get on the bus if you ride the bus and you're doing all that stuff and you're probably having a conversation with friends and you're doing all that stuff. And then you get to school, you, you play around on a recess or playground a little bit before school, and then you go to class and then all of a sudden you have to sit there and listen to somebody talk for an hour and a half at a time. Like all of the extracurricular pers- uh, things that we do on a daily basis and, and even adults now too It is harder and harder to hold attention spans for longer and longer. So, developing a teaching plan, uh, you know, and coaching or whatever is to try to maximize the amount of meeting time and instruction time versus the amount of doing, Um, and and being able to transfer that back to an applicable situation and learning on the, on the, on the road or on the, on the go. Um, and so the same thing for us, you know, how much time do you have a, of a meeting versus how much time to have a walkthrough versus how much time to do things in practice and try. And if you'll notice, I mean, Steve, you probably notice this now, you see our practice is different than they were before because we'll do something for 10 minutes here and then do something else for 10 minutes. Or, you know, it's not just, all right, 30 minutes separate, Thirty minutes together, twenty minutes special teams. Right, trying to mix that up goes back more to the learning styles and our our extra century you know, intake of everything that happens on a daily basis. Um, because that's sometimes the hardest uh, thing to overcome, and you might have experienced that out there because, like, oh, they're all fired up all of a sudden, and then and then it's like. Uh, I'm tired of listening to you. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, With our five and six-year-olds, I think our average session was 12 minutes was the max we could get out of these kids. And then with the fifth and sixth graders, we could do 20 minutes. Um, And then we were actually, the weather was so nice, we were forcing these kids to get water breaks a lot of the time. And they'd run and get water. And then they're so um, energetic, they just come running back out and start you know kicking the ball around and everything like that. But that was a big um, kind of surprise because I was like, Try and get the kids like actually go sit down and you know get water so that whenever we are you know kind of to take that break both physically and mentally so that whenever we come back out we can have more uh, more focus and everything like that.
1: And then you're always going to find those people that are more, and it kind of filters out as you go. I mean, you know, you probably played with some of these guys in little league. You, you know, the 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 adage of the guys picking flowers in in right field or in center field and not paying attention versus you know people that are like tuned in all the time. I was one of those people that was like, I'm here to, I'm playing to win, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm here to play the game, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not here to jack around, right? right. Um, and uh, that I, sh- I personally, as a teammate, struggled with that as an early age because I'm like, get your head in the game, we're trying to win. I mean, even in like Pee Wee baseball, I'm like, you know, like. I can't believe that guy ain't paying attention. (laughs) I guess
0: that's why I adhered to coaching, I guess. One thing, I'm I'm glad, Steve, we have you on now when he mentions that because one, you and I'm not here to say that kicking is any harder than any other position because they all have their own things. One unique thing I think about um, being a specialist, whether it be punter, kicker, deep snapper, is we're not – in as much control of the game in the sense that we're not out there for at least three plays on the possession. Like when your time is called, you're, you know, you, it's your time to go, but we're like, it's intermittent throughout the game. It's either here, here, here. You may go long, like as a punter, we may be in a shootout and you're not being used, but three minutes to go, maybe we have to punt and pin them deep. All of a sudden, Hey, you're up, your number's called and you have to be able to perform on that spot. And that, and that's one thing that I, um, I think some people who watch football, I'm not saying that they're being critical of us, but one thing that I would like for them to understand is that that is tough in its own right to not be as involved in the game. And suddenly, boom, you're out there, you know, just like that. And it was, you know, your field goal. It's your very first game of your college career. Surely you weren't expecting like, man, my time, like I'm here and, you know, we got to get the operation right. People have to block like it's on. I'm not saying it's just on you, but. It's not like you got to lead up into a few games. Like he's like, okay, now I'm ready to kick my a game-winning field goal. No, it's your very first college game, and you went out there and you kicked the field goal.
2: Yeah, That's... but I mean, honestly, all the credit there really goes to Mark Icky, Taylor Tibbetts for you know probably being the best deep safper and holder I ever had. Given they were the only one I ever had for all four years, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> they were the best. <laughs> <laughs> and then as well as all the offensive line guys, um, Brooks, Trent, Jared. Um Matt, Max wasn't in there. He he always joked about how he was happy he got to come off as he saw Dayton running into the end zone. Um, you know, Zach Tuttle and all of those guys. Um and then yeah, we just very, very fortunate that it all worked out for sure.
0: I knew you would say that. And I mean that's obviously the answer I would give as well, but does do you kind of know where I'm coming from, coach, when I say yeah, that. Yeah, it's
1: it's uh, there's not really another uh analogy in uh, in football, but, but like, it's really being a pinch hitter. I mean, you're like, you, you, if that's what you are, or, you know, you're, you're a DH most of the year and then you play crossover game and then you're a pinch hitter in a, in a ball game. And, and you got to go in the bottom of the ninth with two outs against the reliever and, and you're, you got to get on base or you get, you, we need a home run. I mean, that's same kind of thing. You you may not play all day and then all of a sudden you're in there and like, I've got to play by one play. Um, and and that is difficult. Now, Steve, to his credit that day, played a lot of plays because we scored a lot, and he was the only kicker we had. So he kicked off, and he kicked extra points, and, and kicked field goals. So yeah,
2: as well as um, something I did probably to a – well, for sure to a fault is I would probably kicked 200 balls into the kicking net during a game. So I was always – while I wasn't making an impact in the game, I was making sure that I wasn't uh, just standing there and – Getting cold or anything like that.
1: It was not. It, you were not going to get cold in that game. I promise. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> cold. Not that,
0: that was hot. It was, and hot. they were wearing navy blue jerseys too. Westminster was. Yep. And Sometimes
1: uh, you, you, you know, the the story behind that is when I when we agreed to play. Of course, you know everybody thinks you're going to beat the startup team, and I just said, well, you know, they used to play at home. With white jerseys, so you know, could we play in white jerseys? And, and so I was <laughs> like, you know, we're just this poor little startup, and we just want to play in white jerseys like they used to here. <laughs> I've never seen them play here. I just
0: <laughs> black jerseys are back order to the ceiling when we have you white know, jerseys. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and another story I like to go back to because we have so many players come in the program now, and it's unfortunate because like the one of the last classes to have like there are people who played in this program legends that I remember because I, w- I was lucky enough to be on the team with that inaugural class. I won the inaugural class, but like all of y'all were still around when I started to play. But those guys have all moved on now. And so you have a new crop of players coming in who have no idea who you guys are. They only hear about it. I make sure they know about a couple players. Like Everyone's like, hey, how good was that guy Dayton when? I'm like, yeah, hey, you just have to see him. <laughs> like, I can't tell you.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's... Uh, it he we did some statistics the other day we talked about you know, like he's top 10 top 5 in multiple categories in the history of division mm-hmm. 3 <laughs> so anyway just you know it's 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 kind of crazy to to have that evolution of what it was to what it is now
0: and what i was getting to is we'll have some practices now, one thing you I got to know that you will never know is how cold it can get at some practices. <laughs> <laughs> we had we you and I were together when we set a record for what I think is the hottest game I've ever played in. It's probably the hottest game you've ever played in. Um, I'm talking about Millsaps. Yeah, the Millsaps But you, you game, weren't there yeah. for the 20 degree practice. That was uh, that was tough. But uh, and I always tell this story from my perspective. But what was it like for you getting off the for, from Millsaps to that game?
2: Um, I mean, I remember I. If I remember right, I always warmed up in my shoulder pads, and that day I decided from then on that I was never going to warm up my shoulder pads <laughs> again. Because uh, I mean, it was just blistering hot. I think I ended up with like a heat rash where the shoulder pads were at the end of practice or at the end of the game. Um, and I, I'm fortunate that my cleats did not melt because those were the only ones I brought that day, and so that would have been a bit of a tough uh, a tough situation. Yeah, especially
1: for the kicker, (laughs) and and we don't have barefoot kickers anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The kids uh, this week, they were complaining sometimes about their feet getting hot. Normally, I think they were the ones wearing the black shoes, but uh, if I remember correctly, you wore orange shoes that year, for the most part, for most games. Yeah,
2: yeah, I wore orange shoes um, for most most of my college career, yeah.
0: And that was one of those where, you know, your feet were we burning. It's one of those you walk out the door and, and, you know, hot is hot, but that was one you walk in and, and it hits you right in the face. And you're like, mm, all right. So it's one of those days, huh? And,
1: yeah, it, take, it took your breath away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. So transition to that, and a good thing for soccer is normally we play on grass fields uh, mm-hmm. when we play. When you transition to soccer, you have to play your master's year, and then you went on the coach. Was there anything that surprised you, maybe in terms of some differences, or maybe even some similarities in the way that teams operate, like between sports, or?
2: Yeah, I think um, you know one of the things I was hoping to get out of playing soccer was to be able to bring some of the winning, um, winning things that we did with football um, over to soccer that we built and kind of the foundations of the um, football program being the inaugural team, and um, one of the main ones that I, I always think about is just um, how you handle winning. I think that um, with football, we treated every game like it was a biz- We treated every away trip like it was a business trip. We, you know, we did the bit. We gave them the business, walked away with a win, and you know, one, two, three team go home. Not to quote Coach Buck, but <laughs> you did. Well, <twice. laughs> you just. <Twice>. Did. <laughs> right. much were there. Um, and then with soccer, you know, guys are more excited to win and everything like that, which is fantastic. You know, which is great. Um, but there, there isn't. They ha- we haven't had as much much success um, especially um, early on and getting guys to kind of believe in themselves was a big thing of you know to not walk out on the field and say you know kind of um, predetermine the outcome of the game in the first five minutes of the warm-up um, was one of the biggest uh, challenges but then also you know there are still a lot of similarities Um You know, Matt does a fantastic job, and he's really um, done a lot for the program. And I think that, you know, with recruiting and everything like that, like the soccer program is definitely going to be definitely on the up and up for sure.
0: And you were part for – well, you were part of Hendricks football's most uh, important win in uh, recent memory. Uh, But you were also on staff for Coach Kern's first conference win, if I remember correctly, right?
2: That's correct, yeah. It was – the home game against Barry, uh, we ended up winning, and it was—I remember—it was my first win as a soccer, as part of a soccer player at Hendrix, or, or my first conference win as well. And I remember being just so relieved for Matt because it's finally—you know—after all of the years of work he's put in—to um, finally see the benefits and see the. Um, uh, had the re- not repercussions, but the you know the fruits, fruits of, of labor. labor. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the fruits of labor with all with all of that. It was it was really special.
0: And, and from your side, Coach Kern has been on the show multiple times. I know he's a good friend of yours. Yep. Um, what did what was your reaction like? How 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 did that make you feel? I'm, I'm you like go?
1: Steve. Like you know, just I just I just love to see the the the. the, the getting the well to use the same term fruits of the labor knowing how much he put in puts in every day uh to get those guys better and to and to be a really quality person and a coach to you want people like that to be successful i mean it's like i mean and we have a whole bunch of people in our building right here like that and, it, and you just and you you hurt when they lose and I always say this. I, I get more nervous for everybody else when I watch them play than when I, we play, because <laughs> I'm like, I want you to win, <laughs> and,
0: and we don't have control over it. It's, I know. it's one of those that you're like, oh man. That, and and I'll go back and say this for my because I, I know I've told you multiple times. And I've told you that I, I my parents are alumni, so we came back and watched that first game against Westminster. And I will always maintain that that is. I think gonna go down it's hard to beat that it's the most important win this program's ever had this most important game because it's like y'all set the standard like so in soccer for instance when y'all are playing i mean it's there's not okay we'll go back in football first there is enough winning in the program to know that you know that's the expectation here we have that to fall back on so if we go into a bad year it's not like hey that's not what's going to be in the future like for instance in football we went 2 and 8 one year when we we thought we were going to have a really good year but the up the the freshmen came in and we were like man we went 2 and 8 but the upperclassmen like no that's not the standard like we know what we can be and that and moving forward that's how it is unfortunately in the past we've had some unfortunate results go against us where in soccer is like we don't have as much to go off of to build for the future and that's why I think it was so important to have a guy like you on that team just for that culture reason of that culture is no just because you lose a few games like that's that's not what's gonna ultimately define this team like we can bounce back from that and just to have someone who went through your experiences of you know you you had a you know freshman year you know you guys we, we had a few losses but you knew what the standard was because we won the first game mm-hmm. and you knew that's what we were capable of so I always thought that was really important to have someone like you on that team to set the standard and know that hey we can achieve better this is not what we are
2: yeah absolutely And I think that um, you know every year guys are realizing just how close we are to really, you know, flipping a couple of the results the other direction and really making, you know, making a name for ourselves. Um, and so I think that that was, um, that was really important. And I, like I said before, like, I think it's really going to – I think this upcoming year is going to be really good for us as a – for soccer.
0: So switching gears a little bit, I mentioned this in the intro, sort of how you served as strength and conditioning coach. How, how did that come about?
2: Yeah, so – um it was just kind of a, we needed somebody to help out. And I was, I said, yeah, sure. I can, I can do it. I'll learn uh you know, took a certification class. And then, um, shortly after that, um, I had January through March with the kids and then right before spring practice, we we're supposed to start spring practice. Um, you know, we all had to go home because of, um, COVID-19. And then from then it was my job to kind of figure out how to do a strength program when all the, all the kids are at home and all the gyms are closed. And so we had to get pretty creative with, um, had all the kids get a band, um, a resistance band, a jump rope, and um, buy those. Uh, I think they're what are they, ten gallon water water coolers that you see in like offices, and use those for for free weights because they were I think five dollars. Whereas um, you know there's a massive free weight shortage, so people were buying forty five pound free weights for a hundred dollars, um, and just going from there just implementing a lot of body weight stuff, as well as stuff with the free weights. And then um, we would also do some, on Zoom, we would do some sessions with all the guys to kind of get everyone together and get everyone, you know, joking and stuff like that. That way, we're not only worried about their, you know, their physical um, strengths and maintaining their, um, all the work that they put in that way, but also, you know, their mental, their the mental side of things, with, you know, making sure guys are okay. Because it was, you know, it's a tough time. It, it was a tough time, it still is a tough time for a lot of people, and just to make sure that everyone's, you know, in a good headspace mentally and ready to, whenever we are able to come back to, be able to come back to the best of our abilities, and I think the guys, you know, all of the guys did an absolutely fantastic job um, doing that, and we all came back fit and ready to go, and I think it really, really just um, is a testament to the type of players that, that Matt's brought in here, um, that we're all going to do that, as well as The type of players that we want to be, and that's where I talk about. You know, those are the things I draw from when I think of, you know, how when I think of how good we are becoming um, with with our men's soccer team and everything like that.
0: He's going to succeed in whatever he wants to do in life, coach. Because I remember uh, he was he was always asking for my input on these workouts before he 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 finalized them. And I remember when he mentioned the idea of using the uh, the gallons of water, the jugs and stuff and i mean it was a great idea but i remember thinking man and i actually did them with them at robinson high school and i was thinking all these people out here walking around the track you have the, the high school kids doing their seven-on-seven stuff and here we are in the back of the end zone doing bent over rows with 10 gallon water jugs and everything and i was like man he he there was no there were no excuses for any of the players like hey this is the expectation and it's weird it's different but we have to adapt to just improvise and overcome and and he stole a lot of those. Um, I'm, he he told me one day we're going to do cleans with the jugs. I said, "No, Steve, we're not going to do cleans because that's going to be really hard to do with those." And that's oh, why man, I'm going to have to you cut, cut you clean, off. You yeah.
1: can clean with what's in the jug. <laughs> yeah, I'm,
0: gonna, I'm cutting you off there. I think that's going to be really hard to do with those jugs. But just going through, I think that was we we did the half marathon training together, and I got to see more of his that dedication side to Steve. I think seeing him and he made. He made the players you know they could they had no excuses to get their work done, but more than anything, I think that and he doesn't give himself enough appreciation for this is he made no excuses for himself. I have a job and I got to get that job done with what I've got available to me and to to see him stress over that stuff, but ultimately get it done is there isn't you can't say enough about the job that he did and and you know i and I went to school with some of these players and and to see the the transformations in their bodies that some of them made over that time was a, was a manifestation of all the work that he put in. So credit to him for that. Yeah. And that's, that's, those are things that you, you hope that you've learned through
1: not, I mean, not just our program, but through your life of not only growing up and being parented and, and figuring out how to do things, but, but that's part of, you know, going to college, being a college athlete, um, you know, and finding a way to get things done and, and being at a place like Hendrix, which makes you think critically <laughs> and and not just like, well, and even for accountants that sometimes have a hard time to, to go beyond the line, uh, they'll go up to the line, but not over the line. But the point being is like it's, it's being able to reason, think critically and do exactly what we talk about, adapt, adjust, improvise and overcome and find ways to get things done. Um. Or Coach Burnett used to say this all the time: Have a plan when the plan fails.
2: <laughs> Have a backup plan. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And you always did. He, he would always ask me. Sometimes he's like, "What do? you, what'd you guys do when? Uh, with Coach Jeff Howlett was here, like for strength? I'm like, man, Steve, your soccer guys are gonna hate you for this. One.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we did. Uh, we did pull a few of uh, Coach Howlett's favorite. Uh, um, finishing exercises, um, the guys can thank him for the, the speed squats. Um, speed
1: squats and man killers. You gotta love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I love, I, me personally, I've never done speed squats. I was fortunate to not have to do them, but uh, the kids are probably a little bit upset now that I've mentioned that.
0: <laughs> There'd be times where he would do the workout after them and he would come and tell me, he's like, man, I see why they don't like me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I do the work. I figure, man, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, asking, I ask a lot of them, and um, you know, I think the ultimate thing is with the, the. I think the reason why they responded so well is that they see the work that people put into it, and that's ultimately what all what almost every kid wants to see is they want they want the person coaching them to care about them and to show that you know they're putting out the effort and that they they care about them as individuals, but also care about where they want to go as a play, as a team and. I think, fortunately, I was able to um, demonstrate that, um, and that allowed for us to make a big strides. Um,
1: and part of it, too, is when you're a strength coach, you want those guys to see return on the investment they put in. And, and granted, players are only going to get in what you put out. You can't just have it written down on a piece of paper and hand it to them, and then they look better tomorrow. I mean, that's they've got to put that effort in, and it's a constant over time. It's not a it's not a immediate effort. Uh, Light and strike uh i worked out today i'm better tomorrow um yeah you're you're better but your collective is over time and and you can't just do one and be done uh you can't be half in this week and half out that next week it's something that you have to train uh over time i mean like you guys running the half marathon you you can't just go out and jog a little bit one day and then go all right in two weeks i'm gonna run this thing <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's very true and then the other thing is talking about the um seeing the returns i think the kids were able to see the returns without having our cafeteria available to them which i mean i always said you know having that cafeteria does not give you an excuse to not eat healthy and you know eat everything that you possibly need to be able to be the best version of yourself and so i think that um this spring when we were doing some we had a season but we were also lifting and everything like that guys were able to see um pretty significant changes in their bodies um and we were able to see guys who were bought in really really show those um benefits i mean i'll say for example um our goalkeeper our returning goalkeeper angel ortiz um came in once he committed to the pro after he committed the program he lost a significant amount of weight and is a completely different person now and he's he was one of the hardest guys in the weight room, day in and day out, because he's seen how he used to be, and he's seen all the the benefits by it. And he and he's I, my understanding is he's enjoying that part of it, so he wants to see you know how fit he can truly be and how much of a better goalkeeper that's made him because of that.
0: That ties into something I wanted to bring up. Another another Buckism, kind of how we like to refer to them here is. There comes a time, and in, in, in half marathon training, there you know you're obviously building up to a point. You know we're not going to go out and run 13 miles on the first day of training. That's what we're building up to. But you're also not going to go run the set amount of miles each day. You're not doing four, 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 four. You may be building up. You may do like three, four, and then you know maybe take a rest day, an easy one on Wednesday, and then Thursday you're doing you know six or seven maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't take my advice. I didn't remember that if any of you all at home training for half marathons use the guide because I may steer you wrong on that one. But it's like. My favorite thing is, you know, if you achieve that today, that's great. Good is great. But the one thing that Steve, I think they're a really good job of emphasizing to his players is congratulations. You did that, but now you got to take it up another level. So good is great, but better is always possible. And, and that's something he definitely did with that program that I got to see firsthand.
1: And that's that's also the hardest thing, too, when you get to the top end of that spectrum is, you know, it's like a freshman. A freshman's going to make the most amount of game in, mm-hmm. in an off-season program or a string and conditioning program. And then it's when you get to the top of that is that you're training at, at, at a much more elite level. And it, you're, you're, you're shaving, you know uh, – a hundredth off of something or you're shaving uh, or you're or you're adding five to ten pounds um you know you're not going to have that you know substantial increase especially like if you where you come from and you weren't prepared for college or you didn't come from a good strength program you know you're going to exponential grow as a freshman uh also that just that's the time of your body is just gonna you're you just it's just easier and better and then like when you're at Hendrix where you go right to the cafeteria after lifting it's again an exponential deal but then uh, but again when you're getting to that top end it's it's you're not going to see those same amount of gains and it's being able to also get the psychological impact of of your players to understand that i'm not i'm not I'm not here at the top end of my game as a senior to jump another 50 pounds on bench press or another 90 pounds on squat. Right now, I'm trying to make sure that I'm going from being a good to a great player mm-hmm. um, and to and to make sure that I'm playing at the top end. Uh, and I think a lot of people bog down into that, especially in the strength and conditioning world of I'm not seeing those exponential gains. It is exponential gain, but but there's, a, you know, uh, I need Steve for this, but there's probably some kind of why why uh, tangent out there that goes at some point in time your returns go you know start flatlining a little bit, and and that's always the, the struggle with string addition is is how do you break those plateaus, um, but your your increase is like stock market you know you're gonna have some bounces but you're not gonna have a, a rip effect every time there's a, there's a, there's a down and, and, and you really just want to try to make sure that you're never, uh, getting worse. You're never falling backwards. Your game may not be as good, but you, but you're not ever losing. Right. Uh, and that's really the challenge
2: at that, at that elite level. law mm-hmm. lot of diminishing marginal returns, by the way, economics law.
1: See, I knew he would have, I knew he'd yeah. have some, uh, yeah. some, some actual
2: fact on that. Mm.
0: I told him on the first day of camp, you know, if anything else these kids can remember, Steve can teach him supply and demand uh, for this past week. And what happened yesterday is we had a little store on the second floor of the uh, of the facility that we were using um, and the kids can go in there and buy whatever they wanted while the store was closing. So we one of our kids went down there and bought out most of the store and then he started selling it and he 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 profit he profited $36 of that. And I was thinking, you know Profiteering. what? Profiteering. Yep. And I said, "You know what? I told, and I told, I said, Steve, I told you, but at least by the end of this camp, they'll understand supply and demand. And sure enough, yeah, there you go.
2: It's one of our eleven-year-olds too who Mm -hmm. figured that out.
0: Well, hey,
1: (laughs) (laughs) well. Nice entrepreneurial spirit. He, uh, he, he. You probably need to get that kid's name on the list. To go ahead and offer that guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of those
0: where you know if you perform well enough over these four days, you can come back for the return camp. But we'll talk about applying for financial aid. Your ACT <laughs> so, hey, well. He's already
1: applied for financial aid. He's already making money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Or he may not need it. Well, I mean,
1: uh, in that the new law? I mean, we you pay players now, so he he's yeah. just he's just finding a way to to make his money.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, when we were talking about kalachis earlier, that reminded me um, you know, you studied abroad. This was brought up in a recruiting event we had recently where someone asked about studying abroad, and you're one of the only ones that I can remember that actually, like, a lot of us had the chance to go abroad for a certain amount of time. You actually studied abroad for an entire semester mm-hmm. and, like, what that looks like. So, can you get into that a little bit as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the spring of my junior year, I studied in Graz, Austria, which is about two hours south of Vienna. It's a town of probably 300,000 people, uh, give or take probably 100,000.
1: Um, I like how Steve said a town. Yeah, see, <laughs> Well, I'm in Austin now, so i got to change my, uh, my
2: perspective on things a little bit. Um, and that was through a um, program with Hendrix called Hendrix and Graz, where you basically um, you pay what you would pay... Uh, for Hendricks first semester you go over there. Um, I was able to take a, some various economics courses um, the the University was I'm gonna butcher the name, but it's the Carl Fransen's University of Graz And it was a it was a large school So it was, the class size was probably close to 85 to 100 Which was a bit of a transition um, from our average of what 18 at Hendrix? 18 class size? Mm-hmm um, and I mean, I really enjoyed it over there. It was the, the area is gorgeous. Um, the town was gorgeous, and I got to travel a little bit and just being able to see that type of you know that environment as well as um, culturally is just I'm really really grateful for the opportunity. And kind of going off of what Coach Buck said, um, and what the question you asked me earlier, whenever they would ask me where I'm from, I did say Texas every single time.
1: But he's from Arkansas.
2: Yeah, so now. <laughs> So guess, but but
1: it's right people people abroad they like to like to know you're from texas
2: yeah they ask are you they're away from you're from texas they're like oh do you shoot guns so i'm like yeah we, we we have guns
1: in texas the, i always got asked that i have horses that too yeah or, and and does cactus grow in your backyard like mm, some prickly pear and you don't want to mess with it but I yeah. Mean, like,
2: <laughs> but yeah i mean it was i was able to stay out there for several months and um Something that they do differently is they, for their Easter, they have, I think it's two weeks off for Easter. It's like a kind of like a spring break kind of situation. So I was able to travel around to um, Croatia, Slovenia, Germany, Switzerland, and Italy. So kind of just made a big circle all the way around. Didn't go to the Czech Republic, um, but was able to go everywhere else. And I mean, it was an experience that. You don't you don't get that experience anywhere else.
1: One of the neat things about Europe is inner inter European travel is so much easier and, and it is it is so much more advanced than the United States of just getting from point A to point B. And well, I mean it's closer together too. Uh, a lot of the things are closer together. I mean you can drive all the way across Texas and, and not be in another state and you can be in three different countries at the same time in Europe. Uh, so, um, but that's the neat thing about going over there and being able to study abroad or do some things. You, you have an opportunity to, to actually see a lot of different cultures in a lot of different places uh, with a, with very minimal effort.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I made friends out there who, um, who I'm still talking to. Um, a buddy from mine from a... Sweden is just now he's starting his own business and um, bamboo pacifiers actually is launching and it's the uh, only bamboo pacifier on the on the market right now. So don't know the name of the company so I'm not going to plug it but yeah so that, those just types of relationships like that are something you, don't, you know you know you're not going to say oh yeah I'm going to go to college so I can meet some Swedish guys and you know have you know go travel with them and stuff like that and build those relationships
0: did you know you wanted to study abroad when you came here?
2: Yeah, I did. Um, in high school, um, in Texas, Canada, there's a couple of guys who come down from, uh, from the UK and run a soccer camp that I helped out with for the last several years um, of my high school career. And so I knew I wanted to go study abroad and kind of get to see that type of world. And um, in terms of the where part, I did not, um, I, I didn't just I pick Austria, you know, as a freshman in college. It was like, in two years, I'm going to go there. But that's the uh, that ended up being the best fit for me.
0: Those um, that program you're talking about with those coaches coming down from the UK, we we had. Uh, there, there's a chance they may have been the same two coaches who were making the rounds in the region that I had a chance to too. The one thing I really enjoyed when I was younger, and this helped me open up my eyes to the idea, is that they come over and they. There's a way that. Now, not all Europeans are the same, obviously. I mean, they're as diverse as, as we are here amongst countries. But they introduced ideas differently than some of the coaches I was used to over here doing it. And the way that they they conduct themselves or the way they – just the way they operate is is different. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but that's one thing I really enjoyed about my experience going to Barcelona is it, is it further uh, expanded upon the idea of, you know, there are so many different ways of doing things. And, and one way isn't necessarily better than the other, but just that, you know – all these different possibilities. And that's one thing I really enjoyed going overseas and understanding myself.
2: So I mean, that's as well as just with, um, you know, last year we hired a new assistant coach, um, Nick Doyle, who's from South Africa and um, who also is the uh, captain for the Little Rock Rangers, the semi-professional team in Little Rock. And just the way that he explains things were, was unlike anything I've ever heard, um, given part of that's his accent. But, um <laughs> You know, the, the ideas and the concepts and the way he goes about uh, coaching was very, you know, very different to what I'm used to, what, you know, the way that Matt coaches, and as well as, you know, the way that the coaches that I had growing up uh, taught me. So just being able to have those different type of cultures and um, allows us to give the kids the best possible product. Because ultimately, that's what, at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to give the kids a product.
0: You know, the best way we can illustrate that to people at home who may not know what we're talking about. Just watch Ted Lasso.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's like me coaching in uh, England.
0: <laughs> we were talking about that recently, and I, and I didn't know. It seemed like the kind of show you might like, but I wasn't sure if you had seen it. And you have, and you oh, are, you're were you a big fan. That show.
1: Love that show. <laughs> Season two is coming soon, right? It's coming soon. Yeah. That's what it says. <laughs> it better not false advertise. <laughs> <laughs> Very true.
0: I'm glad we have a show like that, too. Uh, hopefully it gets more people interested in the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It I, think, I think it
2: will. I think you know, just the, the quality is I think is improving from kids of a younger age. Like I don't know, whenever I was those kids' age out there, I wasn't nearly as good of a soccer player as a lot of they were. A lot of them were now. It feels like the overall quality of um, player development has just substantially increased. And just I mean, I'm 26 now, so I guess just the last 15 years. Um, so I'm really excited to see what happens in the next 10 years.
0: My dream is like the Little Rock Rangers will have a friendly where they have an auction to where, you know, you can guest coach for a game and you can go out there and, and you know, show the world your hat throw so, introduce the hat throw to soccer so,
1: I don't think you can talk to officials in soccer like you do in, uh, in uh, uh, <laughs> you'd be surprised, I <laughs> surprised. yeah. Um, I don't think you're supposed to yeah, yeah.
2: that is a uh, that is a line a, a line that Matt Curran tows very very well that as a,
1: I feel like Matt and I have some similarities on how we approach
2: the officials <laughs> yeah um, and just for everyone, do not bring that to your Sunday league, uh, Sunday rec league as a player. <laughs> just about to
0: mention that. This man got booked in his debut for our Sunday team. <laughs>
2: Might have, yeah. Had a few dis- disagreements with the referee, and he was like, he gave me a, a caution or a yellow card, and asked for, he's like, what's your name? I'm like, well, I'm Steve Crenshaw, what's your name? And he just kind of, like, looked at me. <laughs> he was like, he's like I, need your, I need your name to write down your name for the for the league or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I need your name, so I want to know which ref I don't want to have anymore.
0: <laughs> he told me after the game, he said, I almost said, and he said, what's your name? And he was going to say Sandy Burks. Like, it's the only way we can get our com- – uh, you know, out of other than coaching, like, that's the only way we can be competitive from now on. Like, that's, we have to find different things to get that thing out of it Exactly. Us. Exactly. Except yep. you're not, you say you're not allowed to really play many. You, you self impose. I, I self
1: impose yeah. a, a yeah. ban on all contact sports. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although, now that I'll be here for another year, maybe we can get some squad pickle games. i want some pickleball yeah. back.
1: Yeah. Now yeah. that we don't have mask mandate, it's yeah. time to get some pickleball back. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. So that'll just about do it, I guess, for. The show. I know we mentioned Hogpen earlier, and I think Coach Buck's pretty excited to. I am. To go Hogpen. So hog I've
1: never to been. Yep.
2: What? That's why. That's why. Oh my gosh!
1: Well, I can't give you a kolache over there, but by God, you're getting the twice cooked chicken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They'll cook it twice for you. I you don't so. so there we go. One, two, three, team. And that will do it for this edition of Views from the Kicks. We would like to thank Steve Crenshaw for his appearance on today's episode, as well as Hendrix women's soccer alum Janie Stoltz for making this episode possible in the first place. And as always, if you would like to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. And we hope you'll tune in to the next episode of Views from the Kicks with Coach Buck and I, Sandy Burks. Thank you for listening.